My name's Dorothy. It's an absolute joy to be with you this morning. And um, you may have received a rock on the way in. If you're joining us online and you haven't got one organised, I'd love you to grab one out of your pot plant or if you've got a garden close by and just put that by your side and we'll find out what that's about towards the end of the message. So I hope you're not feeling grumpy this morning because I don't want anyone throwing any rocks, okay? This isn't a reenactment of Stephen or anything like that. Um, I was sent by Door of Hope in March to go to the summit that you saw on the screen. And just so you know I'm not making it up, I wore the (laughs) T-shirt. It was a peak moment, I have to say, in my life to go and find out about disciple-making on location where the first churches were created, where Paul and John were amongst the people. And I got a sense of what it means to be sent. Because I didn't choose the location or the time, I was sent as a representative of Door of Hope to go with a purpose, to do something and bring something back. And there was a moment that I, I want to share with you where we were returning from the side of Ephesus, which had been amazing, and we're on the tour bus heading back to the hotel, our accommodation, and um, I've got a, a photo of just a, a space on a hill. The tour guide turned and just said, oh, yes, and those ruins up there on the hill, that's the tomb where the Apostle John is buried. And it hit me. And I might be a bit vague, so forgive me for being a little bit on the simple side, but I thought, wow, this is a living, breathing person. And John came to life for me as a real person, like I'm a real person and you're a real person. I I knew he was a real person, but it was three-dimensional knowing that he was real And so I thought, well, who is this John? Because you read bits and pieces about him, but who is he? Well, he's the youngest brother. He's a son to Zebedee, what a name, and Salome. This is a faithful Jewish family. They have a family business, which is fishing in Galilee. And James and John, they are among the disciples of John the Baptist. They are seeking for something that's promised by God, believing that there is better. We find John and James and Simon Peter amongst the first ones to respond to Jesus and sort of lean in and think, could this Could this be the one? He forms one of the inner circle of James's disciples. 
experiencing things that the others did not experience. It was only John, James and Peter that were invited in to the room where Jesus healed Jairus' daughter. It was only them that were on the mountaintop and saw Moses and Elijah come and encourage Jesus. And it was those three that were in the Garden of Gethsemane that were invited to be there for Jesus in his hour of need. John was a faithful, loving follower of Jesus. And so he became known as the Apostle of Love and he writes so much about it. So today, as we launch this new series called Scent, I thought, who better for us to learn from than the Apostle John? And what we're going to do over the next few weeks is for those of us who say we follow Jesus... Just unpack, what does that actually mean? Because we are sent in the same way as John was sent. And you might notice on my T-shirt it says sequel, and on the back it says be the sequel. And that's what I want you to capture today. We are sent to be the sequel to John, to James, to Paul, and just like them, we won't get it 100% right. So today we're focused on love because that's the greatest commandment, isn't it? We can't be sent if we're not sent in love. So today we're going to talk about how we get sent in love. And John is just such a wonderful example for us. And like John, we live in a world that isn't there yet, is it? It's not paradise. Because there's a hunger in our world today for connection, isn't there? We hunger, we have this deep desire to belong and to be loved for who we are. And I think that's what John was seeking as well. And we know from the Genesis story that something went wrong. And when Adam and Eve brought sin into the world, what they did was disconnect us from the God who is love. And so we experience in this world a distortion of love because Adam and Eve locked love out of their hearts when they sinned. And John writes it this way, do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, 
a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And we see the impact, don't we, in the biblical text. We see it in history, and I'm guessing you see it in your own personal experience. There's abuse, neglect, there's conflict, heartbreak. And so what do we do with that? Well, we can't do anything. That's why Jesus enters the world. Because love needs to open the door so that we can welcome it back into our hearts. And John witnesses this real love. He writes it this way. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. You see, this is a transformational love and we see John transforming as he spends time with Jesus And one of the first experiences he has is at the wedding in Cana. And we'll see the text up here. It's a well-known passage. And what I want to summarise here is just looking at how Jesus, in this response from the invitation of his mother, he reinstates the value of marriage And he restores blessing over that relationship, that first relationship where it all went wrong. It's beautiful, isn't it? Because the wine here I'm suggesting is symbolising life and joy. And the couple, they're going to run out before the end of the wedding so like us, isn't it? That we run out of the love that we think is going to last throughout the whole of that relationship. And what we see Jesus do is he, he enters and he doesn't just cover to the end of the wedding. What does he do? The finest quality This surpasses anything that we can do and supply on our own right. And so today I'm saying that there is a miracle that is on offer to us for marriages. We don't do it on our own merit. We can't supply enough love on our own. But there is a finer quality of love that can be supplied through the love of Jesus. Maybe that's your miracle today that you can claim. What a beginning. And as John recognises that Jesus' love is very different, he leans in and he spends more time with Jesus. And if you are craving that kind of a love, you need to lean in and spend more time with Jesus and experience God's love in your own life 
and learn a new standard. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonour others, it is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. I have never experienced a love like that on this earth, only in Jesus. Can I get that? We need to experience God's love in our lives and know how different it is. And that love grows our hearts over time. See, John, we see him, he over and over and over again experiences this love as he travels with Jesus to the point where he begins to call himself what? The disciple that Jesus loves. He bases his entire identity on being loved by Jesus. Did you catch that? His entire identity is that he is loved by Jesus. Do you know that you are loved by Jesus? And where are you basing your identity today? Because it's identity issues that get us into strife, is it not? And did you know that Jesus had a nickname for John and his brother? Sons of Thunder. It was lovingly given, but it kind of lets us know there's a little bit of evangelical zeal happening, a bit of passion, a bit of impulsive enthusiasm, uncontained ambition, and I kind of resonate. I might be a daughter of thunder. What would Jesus' nickname be for you, do you think? Maybe online you might like to type it in, I dare you. Mark 3.14 tells us, though, that as a son of thunder, John is chosen. He's chosen to be with Jesus, and he's chosen to be sent out to preach. He's given authority to cast out demons. Wow. Wow. You know, maybe something that holds you back from being sent is that, wow, do you know what? I'm just not good enough yet. I don't know enough. I just don't feel ready. Well, John was sent and he wasn't ready and he wasn't good enough. But he was loving Jesus and he was growing and he was willing and he was teachable. And that's all that we need to bring. He made lots of mistakes. Do you want to hear them? Makes me feel better. Mark and Luke, funny that John didn't record it, but Mark and Luke did. We'll see the verses. They came to Capernaum 
When he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? Awkward. They kept quiet, not surprisingly, because they were arguing about who was the greatest. I love that we shared that passage because this is an ongoing recurrent theme. Jesus teaches them. He brings a child out. Now, children in the culture of the day were worthless. And he teaches them about humility and service. And we see demonstrated that Corinthians love. What patience. I would have been like face palming, going, come on, get with the program. And look at John's response here. Master, said John, we saw a man driving out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said. For whoever is not against you is for you. Can you see John's heart growing? Like he sees what Jesus says and he's reflecting on that and he's thinking, oh, oh, I uh, don't know that I got that one right. He's convicted and then he confesses. And he's given a correction and it, He grows. Then we see another one. There's a group of unwelcoming Samaritans and John and James say, hey, Jesus, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and destroy them? And Jesus goes, yeah, no, not a good idea. And he's teaching them. There's no room for intolerance in God's love. We're to do no harm. We check it out again. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Keeps no record of wrongs. And I have to say, that just kind of, how tolerant am I? Let's sit with that. How tolerant am I for people who are unwelcoming? Who might be a little bit unpleasant? Who maybe offend me? not even just abusive. There's no room for us to be intolerant. And then there's that beautiful passage where we are on the road to Jerusalem, on the way to Calvary. Like you would think they would get it by now. Mark and Matthew record another argument. And yes, it's the ambitious brothers and they want a place of honour in the new kingdom because they haven't quite got the fact that it's not earthly. And when we follow Jesus, we have to be willing to be rebuked and corrected and be willing to be teachable. And Jesus does the most amazing thing where he washes their feet And isn't it interesting that the only disciple to record this is John? It gets into his heart. And he writes the final sort of comments that he takes away from Jesus in the upper room. A new command I give you, love one another. 
As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If we don't love, how will people experience God's love? John loved Jesus. He was the only disciple at the foot of the cross. And he was tasked by Jesus in his final moments to look after his own mother, Mary, which he did. You see, he allowed love to become his identity and transform his heart, and that's what we're called to in order to be the sequel. John challenges us in these verses, dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other, let us show the truth by our actions. And again, dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God, not inside. Do you see that? It comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God For God is love. This is mission critical. We must respond. There is no room for anything else. Because each of us have people that God has entrusted into our streams of life. And if we don't show them God's love, who will? They are valuable You see, love multiplies. And can we get real? Some of them are really hard to love, aren't they? But there's no disclaimers, there's no caveats, there is no exclusion clauses in this. Luke puts it this way, if you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. John witnesses Jesus' loving, difficult people. He records an incident with an invalid in John 5, 1 to 9. Now, I've got two observations to make. If we could have the passage on the screen. The invalid had been in the same place for 38 years and he says there's no one in his life that would help him. Now let's consider that. Who over 38 years has no relationships? I reckon he's not a nice person. But Jesus is willing to heal him. You see, God's love is also for people we don't like. And my second observation is the man's response. He can't heal himself. And there's no one who cares enough to heal him or help him be healed. And I relate that to myself. 
Where am I paralysed in my emotional love and I can't heal myself and there is no one else who can do it for me either. But Jesus is standing there and he is willing and he says, stand up, roll up your sleeping mat and go on home. See, I'm not to camp in disappointment. I'm not to camp in hurt. I'm to let Jesus heal me where I feel emotionally immobilised. And I am to go home and love. And I don't think I'm alone here. And that's what this is about. Because we all have a little hard place in our hearts, don't we? Where we've experienced something that's cut deep. And we've let it harden and it gets in the way of us being able to love people well. So as we conclude today, there are four things I want you to remember and we're going to do something with this rock. So I want you to be thinking about what that is for you. We're to receive God's love. We're to grow God's love in our hearts and we're to be healed by God's love and we are to share God's love. And we're going to have a moment right now where I'm going to ask you to sit with Jesus and let him know what this is that you've been carrying around And I'm going to ask you today, are you willing to let go of this, whatever it is that's hard in your heart? And there'll be a moment to respond. There are baskets at the front. We can give it back to Jesus. And in return, the promise is that God will take our hearts of stone and he'll replace it with a heart of flesh. And so there's a card there that reminds us that as we put this in the basket, we're going to receive a new heart today. We're going to fill afresh with the Holy Spirit so that we can be the sequel and we can be sent in love. So as the music plays, I just invite you to come forward, have that moment.